Hello, I'm Ian Murray. I'm the chairman of Matador Mining. Joining me on this call is Warren Potmer, our exploration manager. Matador Mining is a gold exploration company listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, as well as the OTC market in North America and the Frankfurt Exchange. Our project is the Cape Ray Gold Project in Newfoundland, which is promising to, which is at the moment uh, a very exciting exploration destination with over 75 TSX companies operating there. And we are the only ASX company with tenement and activity on the ground. Ian, thank you. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, Ian, Warren, really nice to have you uh, on the, on the, on this, in this interview. Um, before we get into the bones of it, uh, you know, I've, I've read a few presentations, but I haven't quite got to the bottom of the history of how Matable, Matable Mining ended up in Newfoundland. Could you just give us kind of the, the little bit of background of the kind of the motivation to picking up that ground and that switch from, well, or the, the fact that an Australian company is in, in Newfoundland? So that predates Warren and I. It was roughly 2018. Um, these guys from Western Australia were looking for good gold exploration uh, opportunities uh, in a tier one jurisdiction. They had been burnt in Africa. They didn't like Southeast Asia. They thought Australian assets were expensive. And they were across in, in, in Canada looking at projects over there. And somebody mentioned that there was this gold exploration project in Newfoundland. The, the typical question is, well, where's Newfoundland? And they got pointed in the right direction, went across, had a look at the project. And uh, exploration hadn't been done there for a couple of years. Uh, it was a big tenement holding then, about 80 strike kilometres. We now own over 120 strike kilometres. So it was a nice big land package. To the north, Marathon Gold is there with their 4.8 million ounces. So it was attractive, but it was prior to the current exploration boom that's happening in Newfoundland. So the deal was done. The company picked up the assets and then explored in 2019 Warren and I joined in 2020, and we explored 2020 and, and 2021. So now this is probably the third year of doing uh, systematic, proper exploration on that belt. Warren, what's the difference between exploring in Australia and in, and in Canada? Because in, in Canada, you, I can see that you've got this kind of this thin layer of glacial till. Have you, have you seen a kind of a, a difference in mentality between the Australians' uh, approach to exploration and the um, the Canadian geologists you're working with. Yeah, there's a there's a fundamental difference. So um, Canadians have been exploring in till-covered terrains for, for many, many decades and quite effectively, but they have a very specific approach to that, uh, particularly the juniors. It's expensive to mobilise drill rigs uh, into some of these areas where we are. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy enough to get into access-wise, but then to move rigs around uh, and to get further into the project is uh, is quite costly, time and and dollars. Uh, and so what you find the Canadians will do is a lot of surface sampling at the top of the till, um, and then effectively try and define uh, the best drilling anomalies off the back of that. Now, what's happened on the on the project at Cape Ray is nobody before us has drilled uh, any of the targets that were undercover. They've simply drilled the outcropping mineralisation at surface. Our approach is to bring, I guess, more of an Antipodean uh, and an Australian approach to exploration, which is to physically sample through the cover and sample the basement. Um, this is something that's not typically done in Canada. Um, and for us, it's been hugely successful. So we've, we've had our drilling contractor build very lightweight track-mounted auger rigs 
It enables to get through the anywhere from half a metre to about eight to 10 metres deep of glacial till. It's not very deep. Mm. Uh, and then sample the till on the way down. And then at the bottom of hole, we can drill sort of 40 centimetres or so of diamond core with that exact same rig. So we don't have to re- drive in a big, heavy rig. We get that 40 centimetres of diamond core. We can physically see the rocks at the bottom of hole. We can do all of the multi-element geochemistry, the smart spectral mineralogy. We can assay for gold. We can assay for the pathfinder elements. And we can define, if you like, the bottom of hole geology map much, much more quickly and more cheaply than the Canadians with their method um, would have done the same thing. So that's, I guess, the point of difference for us. I've worked in... um in Sweden, and we we did a, a, a you know standard process was bottom of hill um, bottom of till sampling. So you would drill the auger holes, and you take the bottom of till. You go down to fresh or fresh rock, whether that's basement or just kind of sub till. Um, so that seems to be relatively standard practice. And in, in Australia, do you use um, air core rigs typically to get through the weathered material? So in Australia, you would use uh, rab or air core rigs. Yeah, so fairly uh, lightweight, small air um, to get down to the to the bottom of the weathered material, but in Australia, you're basically drilling clays. So uh, Rab and Air Corps goes through clay quite well, doesn't go through boulder till particularly well. Yeah, um, yeah. This is where these power augers are, are much better because you're effectively drilling um, poor man's diamond core. And um, I can see in the in the background picture behind Ian that it's it looks relatively open ground. Are you able to... Um, when you do your bottom of the till sampling, are you effectively using, um, are you doing kind of a series of lines, holds along section lines across structure? Yeah, exactly. So we combine uh, typically 200 by 50 or 200 by 100 metre space uh, sampling on these lines, but targeted based off a really detailed aeromagnetic survey. So by anyone's standards, the, the aeromag that we've flown over 40 kilometres of strike length of the project, so the around the main, where the main resources sit and, and to the northeast of that on, on areas that we know that we can get to relatively easily, we're drilling that, uh, we're drilling, we're flying that at 25 metre flight height and 30 metre spaced flight lines. This is a spectacular magnetic data set and we're, we're, we're lucky, we're blessed in that the magnetic contrast is good. So we knew the magnetic contrast was good from ground mag that we did, and we decided to cover the area with really low-level halimag. The topography is such that it allows you to do it. There's next to no trees, as you can see behind Ian. Um, and so we can fly halimag uh, quickly, relatively cheaply, and we've got a fantastic structural map from the magnetics that we're now, if you like, constraining with the bottom of whole lithogeochemistry and, and auger. Uh, sampling work. Great, no, I love it. Building up the, um, the the layers of confidence on on your uh, on your mineralization or the controls of mineralization on the general geology, and then testing it from there. Um, for my benefit, could you could we just kind of first of all start on the resources that you've already got? Um, could you do you have a map that you could share um, showing where those resources are in Newfoundland? And perhaps could you talk to me about a little bit about the geology of it? Um, You've got, remind me how many, you've got 800, um, remind me of your kind of your, your total resource base uh, uh, as of today. It's 837,000 ounces. There we and go. And if you look at that, you look at that image, there's the four circles. Those are where the current resources are. So the largest one is Central Zone, which is just over half a million ounces of gold at 2.2 grams. And that's in a series of open pits. Um, that's in indicated uh, category as well. Then across the river, 
We've got window glass hill, which is a quarter of a million ounces at 1.6 gram per ton. And that's actually quite exciting. And Warren will talk about that later, just the growth potential that we're seeing at the window glass hill area. Then there's the gap of three kilometers before we get to Big Pond, which is a small resource, but very good grade. And as Warren said, because of that, the, the, the transported cover, nobody's explored between Window Glass Hill to Big Pond. We did the first testing of that area on the back of the targets identified by the Aeromag this year. And if you go from Central Zone North up to Isle of Mort, which again is a modest resource, but at good grade, there's a seven kilometer gap there that's had one historic diamond drill hole. If you go outside this area, further to the north, I think off the top of my head, I think they're less than 10 diamond drill holes north of Isle of Mort. So the drilling falls away completely. So the historic work that's been done on this belt has been where, they, where the mineralization outcrops. There's been no systematic exploration under transported cover until Warren got involved in the company. And you can look at that, the gap from where our resources are up to Valentine Lake, a marathon project, 4.8 million ounces. You've got about 120 strike kilometers with no exploration on the same structure that hosts 840,000 ounces in the southwest and 4.8 million ounces to the north northeast. Excellent. So you you the, 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 that's a that's a great slide. Really, really clear. I love it. So you've got 120 kilometers of strike length of your own tenements. Um, and then there's a further 50 kilometers, which is uh, so you're about 170 or it was probably less because of the, the, the gap to the, right, got it, good. Um, quick question on that slide. The, the, you said it was kind of the central zone was in a series of open pits. The, the, the figures there, the resource figures there, are those um, unconstrained resources or are those in-pit resources? Those are unconstrained. We haven't... Uh, Put, put shells around to constrain them from a resource perspective. We have done a scoping study, uh, which obviously looks at the economics and, and constrains those resources into what's economic through the scoping study. So of the 840,000, about 500,000 ounces converts to mineable in the scoping study. Okay. Um, good. And um, what's the what's the geology of, of these um, um, resources? I'll, I'll give you the non-geological like, uh, answer, then Warren will step in. It varies. Over to you, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you ask the chairman a geology question. Uh, so, Mel, the, the, uh, the geology of the Cape Ray shear zone, let's, let's, start with, um, let's start with the shear zone itself first. Um, the shear zone is a major, a major suture uh, between crustal blocks. Um, it's along similar lines to what you might see, uh, you know, uh, in Yilgarna, Kalgoorlie, for instance. We're talking about a shear zone that's many hundreds of kilometres long. Uh, it separates distinct crustal blocks. Uh, in, to the northern side of the shear zone, we have uh, a granite intrusive complex. Within the shear zone itself, uh, we have the Windsor Point Group sediments uh, and intrusions within the Windsor Point Group sediments, and they host all of the known mineralisation at this point in time. Uh, and then we have a higher-grade metamorphic block to the south, uh, which is equally deformed, uh, potentially be, to be mineralised. Both the northern and southern side of the, of the uh, Cape Ray Shear Zone and the Windsor Point Group uh, sediments could be mineralised, but they've just never been explored. 
So right. with a major terrain boundary and uh, uh, orogenic style gold mineralization. Orogenic style gold, and the which I, I'm I'm never quite sure what orogenic means, but we can we can get into that in a bit. Um, but when you talk about the the sediment package in the in in the shear zone itself, so you're talking about a kind of a structural corridor here between well, obviously the uh, presumably the metamorphic terrain to the to the south and southeast is older, or, or is that not necessarily the case? And are those? No, uh, um, yeah, it, it it is. Um, so it's it's slightly older. It's certainly much higher metamorphic grade. It's much more crystalline. Mm. If you Think of that as a really um, now a really competent, strong, hard block of rock. Uh, but at the time of deformation, um, that was was ductally deforming. Okay, um, the reason we believe why the mineralization and the Cape Ray shear zone is focused where it is is because the Winter Point Group rocks are lower metamorphic grade, are uh, generally softer. Um, and therefore, they've they focused the strain between two larger blocks. Now, whether there are a compressed terrain between those blocks, we can we can argue with the academics. Yep. Fact remains is that you've got distinct competency contrasts between the foot wall uh, intrusive complex, um, the Windsor Point group sediments, and uh, intrusions within those sediments that are just pre, sin, and post mineralization, and then the wall uh, rocks to the south. So really, we're talking about a structurally controlled um, mineral system that is uh, is driven by competency contrast in terms of where the mineralizing fluids are focused and where the ore bodies sit and the geometry of the ore bodies. And do you see the, um, the, the mineralization occurring on uh, predictable fault orientations or strain or um, strain orientations or deformation planes? I mean, is it on second order structures? Have you got a kind of a uh, how how locked in are you into the kind of the structural order of things and the and the and the deformation patterns, or is it on the kind of the the, the, um, the, the plunging intersection between planes? I mean, how how far down that road have you gone? Yeah, look, that's um that's a good question. I don't know if you're a structural geologist in the past life, but that's my uh, that's my main bent. And so I can answer that in two ways. In terms of the window glass hill granite hosted mineralization. We've got a really good handle on the structural controls on that. And we've really been focusing on that for the last couple of years in terms of our exploration and resource growth uh, drilling. So the window glass hill granite mineralization is hosted within a deformed granite. It's a brittle host and it, it uh, the, the gold is sitting within stacked ladder veins and, and stockwork veins within this granite. This granite is elongate uh, southwest, northeast. So it's a lot longer than it is wide. Um, and it's actually that geometry of the granite and structures that are running around the granite and cutting across it that control um, the vein-hosted mineralization. So we've got a good handle on window glass hill. Um, I've only drilled so far since I've, I've joined the company, I've only drilled one of the other targets outside of the window glass hill granite, and that's the Isle of Mort uh, deposit. And that sits in one of these sediment-hosted shear zones, but it's immediately adjacent to a granite in the footwall as well. So once again, we've got this competency contrast that I think is driving the dilation on the host structures. And at the same time, it's driving the mineralization not just in the granite, but, but in the, the weaker sediments, usually in the hanging wall side, but no reason why it couldn't be in the footwall side. All of the central zone resources... Uh, again, shear-hosted plunging shoots 
that sit within these structures in the weaker sediments. And so we, we think we've got two different, well, we can see in the data two different plunge orientations within the southeast dipping shear zones. Um, these things have got potential for significant depth extent, but they've never really been tested more than one to 200 metres below surface. Okay, so goodness, you have got a variety of different um, uh, kind of um, mineral, mineral settings or mineralization settings. So just uh, if I could summarize that kind of in, in, a, in a translating it for a layman, um, in the Windsor, um, in the window gr group window of granite, glass hill. window glass hill granite, in the window glass hill granite, you've essentially got a relatively competent block which has got cross cutting and um, sheeted veins in it. So that's potentially a bulk tonnage target. Correct. So the granites effectively you can look at as almost as a kind of a, as a as a bulk unit. In the central zone, it's kind of more structurally plunging shoots of high grade that you right. might be able to test at depth and be able you might be able to find depth extensions and also repeated structures along strike. And at um Ilo Moor, uh Isle of the Dead, you've got what's what's the simplest way of describing that? I kind of I a mixture of the two, a mixture of the two. Yes, right. It was just outside the granites. And okay, one of the things I've Newfoundland gold is that it's it can be very structurally complex, and that adding resources or building up resource can prove challenging. So presumably, you've got different drill hole spacing in the, um, the window glass group to the drill hole spacing that you've got in the central zone. Yeah. Yeah, look, fair? we drill the two completely differently. So central zone, it's all about uh, a, a shear-hosted plane and a plunging shoot within that shear-hosted plane. Okay? Yeah. Um, and so for that, you, you drill quite tightly, chasing the, chasing the down plunge extent. Uh, and quite often you, you get rollovers in the structures and you get dilation and blowouts in the graves. Beautiful. Really, really, you know, textbook stuff um, in, in a transpressional terrain. The reason why at the moment we like the window glass hill granite so much is that this thing is, well, you know, we've been saying forever it's three kilometres long. We now realise it extends further than that towards the northeast. There's a slither of the window glass hill granite that runs northeast of all of the central zone resources, okay? We've got 232,000 ounces uh, there and we've been drilling to the southwest predominantly and a little to the northwest of that this year. We made uh, a new discovery uh, the year before last to the southwest, there was a similar style of mineralization, uh, stockwork veins, broad, lower grade mineralization. But then in the last three months, three to four months, we've reported on the, the window glass hill granite margin target. Now, Ian's going to pull up a, a map for this one. Um, don't, don't have it on this one. Oh, there we go. Sorry. There we go. Oh, that's it. Right. Okay. Okay. I look at that. Okay, this, this is great. Thank you. Um, so that the the that Ian, can you drive with your? Can you show us with your mouse? Um, can you just kind of um, outline the, the 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 granite block? There we go. Um, so that's that's the window glass hill granite, and you found this. That's the sliver up to the northeast. The the, the well, it goes even further north. Than that. So we we haven't mapped that yet, but it goes all the way to the northeastern end of that map, basically. Okay. And um, is the is the resource in um, 
that you've outlined in Window Glass Hill, which is 322,000 ounces, is that open? Yes. So it's open at depth uh, and laterally. So where Ian's pointer was just then, that hot pink section is, is, if you like, the the higher grade uh, bulk core. Now, we're getting good grades in here, right? We're getting, uh, you know, 10 to 40 grams per tonne over a metre. And we're getting... 30 metres at four, five, six grams, right? Or um, well, at four grams at least. So that's in, in the main window glass hill resource. Now, that hot pink area just southwest of that, that's the new granite margin target that we've been drilling over the last three to four months. Was never drilled before. Sits under okay. that thick cover and was assumed to be outside the, the lateral extent of the, the window glass hill resource. We took the retail magnetics that we flew last year and the bottom of whole geochemistry and realised that there was another solid zone of good grade mineralisation there. So the sort of numbers we're getting uh, in that granite margin zone, you can see in the image on the right-hand side, right? So the discovery hole was CRD 212, 45 metres at 1.2, including 8 at 5. We followed up with 214, 90 metres at 4.2, plus 6 at 1, plus 4 at 1.9, all in the one hole. Yeah. And then this year we followed up with... The, the likes of CRD 277, 32 metres at 2.6. So this is an insignificant grade, and it's all basically from surface. Oh, right? fantastic. I love it. Um, now, what I can see is on that map on the left-hand side is you've, you've um, created a layer for the granite. And so what I can't see is the, is the kind of mag signature underneath. Correct. Can you, can you identify... Um, uh, uh, Ian, in your role as glamorous assistant, um, can you take us to the, the the wider mag picture? There we go. The kind of the, the 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 full mag. Can you on that image there? Are you able to identify these granite blocks? Um, have you yes. got a kind of a you've 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 calibrated the field information, the, the ground truthing with the signal that you're getting on the mag so that you're able to map where the granite blocks are along this trend? Absolutely. So the window glass hill granite particularly has a magnetic high right at the margin. So the sediments right up against the granite are enriched in magnetite. Now, um, Ian can just sort of highlight there where that, where that window glass hill granite is, and it's a small magnetic High, not the not the big high to the southwest, but just inside of that. We can test that. Now, Ian, can you take us to the lithogeochem map, please? For uh... these ones, that one. Yep, that's perfect. So, this is this is our bottom of hole power auger drilling samples for the whole of the window glass hill granite. Everything there in red or pink is window glass hill granite. The difference yep. between the the pink is two different chemically distinct phases of the granite, and that lithogeochemical distinction also controls mineralization boundaries to some extent. And then around that, we can use the lithogeochemistry to pick the different types of sedimentary units that are intruded by the granite and that fold around the granite. So this is, if you like, the layer that we use to ground truth uh, yep. where the contacts are. And you can see that mag high just outside the reds and the pinks at the bottom of whole numbers. Yeah, yeah, and um, is, could that mag be linked to? Um, oh, so, so are you are you clear? It's it's magnetite 
around the the halos it's not any kind of um do you say it's all sedimentary or are there volcanics in here as well i mean it couldn't be is it remnant volcanic it's it's clastic to volcanic clastic right so there are silicic clastics in there there are volcanic clastics in there some of the sediments look reasonably immature sort of mafic volcanic clastic sediments but the that that um magnetic rim is magnetite developed in the horn fells we believe uh the contact was around the granite okay good um Thank you. And so when you go to um, Isle of the Dead, are you looking in the kind of the pressure shadows? You're looking in the kind of the, 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 um, the, the places where you're kind of uh, slightly lower pressure, more, more opportunity for dilation uh, around the granite. That's, that's the targeting mechanism at Window Glass Hill itself. At Isle of Mort, it looks like we've got a shear zone that runs parallel to the granite and that's mineralized. And then there are cross-cutting structures that actually displace the granite there. So the granite predates mineralisation at Isle of okay. Mott, the same window glass hill. Um, and it's, it is, you're right, it's strain partitioning around the granite, but also structures cutting across it that seem to be uh, controlling those, those shoots. And that's probably just the, the way that the, the granite behaved at, at that time, slightly fracturing along um, those, those kind of second-order planes. Good. Okay, so let me... Can, can I ask now about where you're drilling uh, and where you're targeting resource growth? Um, because you've just started a winter drilling campaign. You've had, um, you know, you were drilling late into last year. Where can we expect the kind of the resource to grow from what you've drilled and what you're about to drill? Maybe just that large magnetic map might be as good as any. And so, Sorry, I, I, I should know, but remind me when the, we published the... Um, your 837,000 ounce resource. You know, when does that date from? Uh, that was May 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. So since then, we did 12,000 meters of drilling in 20, sorry, May 2020. Sorry. May 2020. COVID okay. time far away. Yeah, so it we does. 12,000 yeah. 12, meters in 2020, and we did 20,000 meters of drilling in 2021. Plus now the winter program, and then we'll be back to the summer program from May. Okay, so you, you've got over 30,000 meters done. Yeah. So 32,000 meters done. And presumably a lot of that was in that window glass hill granite margin. It's, 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 the names are getting longer and longer. Um, <laughs> the, the, the aunt of the sister of the brother of the window granite hill um, margin. Um, so, um, go on, um, um, where did that extra 32,000 meters go and where is the next block of drilling going? So if we look at the map in front of us, um, a large proportion of the drilling went into the window glass hill granite as a whole. Okay. So in terms of. Uh, infilling and upgrading the existing window glass hill resource, which is is just a small area within the window glass hill granite, Uh, extending and making new discoveries like uh, the granite margin and other discoveries that we've announced over the last year and a half uh, within the window glass hill granite. Uh, We also, as you said, drilled uh, at Isle of Mort, um, looking to to grow that both the confidence in the resource, so that was designed as an infill and an extension drilling program at Isle of Mort, Uh, And later uh, last year, we completed our first pass drilling at Big Pond to the southwest, 
now, we have a big pond resource down there, but there's a very large area, three kilometres by two kilometres. It's virtually never seen a drill hole. And we, we did the first pass auger and we followed up with some first pass diamond drilling to test those targets. And, and we reported late last year that two of those first pass diamond drill holes came back with multi-gram intersections in effectively greenfields, uh, absolutely greenfields terrain under, under uh, till cover. So that was, that was a fantastic first pass result that we'll be following up on in the coming year. Um, window glass hill granite, as I said at the moment, you know, we've, we've mapped it out over three strike kilometres, but it looks like it's going to extend what well, doesn't look like. We now know it extends five or six strike kilometres in total along the north side of the central zone. Currently, the winter program, the first drilling off the, off the rank there is to test that north, the, the first part of the northeast extension of the Window Glass Hill granite um, near PW at the southwest end uh, that Ian's just highlighting there of central zone. So, uh, again, the granite extends along the north side. We love it as a structurally controlled, brutal host for mineralization. Mm, it's never yeah. been before, right? <laughs> um, on top of that, to keep the pipeline going, uh, towards the end of last year, target area three, you can see in the, in the far northeast of that map, we covered that area, uh, sorry, to the right there, target area three. Um, sorry. Covered that area with a very large till program. So this is a new block that we picked up off the back of doing the magnetics. We love the structural complexity in there. There's a, a major bend in the Cape Ray shear zone. Yeah. And a whole glaze that come off it that we just love as structural targets uh, in, the, uh, in the intrusive complex to the north. So we've covered that as broad as tills. We're waiting for those results to come back in. If we get the sort of results that we hope, uh, then we'll be back in there with the, with the power auger drilling down to basement and hopefully generating diamond drill targets in the year to come. Target area two is around Benton. Now, this is somewhere that I've, I've really liked to look up ever since I joined the company, but, but one of the challenges there was we've got 190, up to 191 grams per tonne in rock chips in boulder till. And yeah. the sort of those results has never been drilled, has never been identified. So, again, we went in there with the power auger. Part of that till is a little too deep for our power auger, so we're, we're going to have to uh, look at a rig that can get a little bit deeper, down sort of plus 10 metres of till. We've got the magnetics showing us where the prospective structures are, uh, and we've drilled the first of five holes into there. We still failed to identify or, if you like, um, uh, demonstrate the source of the cracking golden oil in that area. So that's, that's still wide open. Um, and it's up to, I think that's about uh, five or six kilometres long along the main structure. There's only had a sum total of about seven drill holes into it. Thank you very much. And just before we leave this map, um, <clears throat> how many rigs will be used this year? And um, you know, when, when presumably, uh, well, I don't know, how many winter rigs have you got and how many summer rigs will you have? So we've got a winter rig, one winter diamond rig going double shifting at the moment. This is our first ever winter program. So we, we didn't want to throw too much at it because we want to make sure we got it right and got it done safely. Uh, we've got uh, multiple targets that we're chasing with that rig and we should get between three and four and a half thousand metres of diamond drilling done over what's a relatively short winter program. So winter season's much shorter in Newfoundland than it is in central Canada. And then uh, when it comes to next summer, uh, we've locked in, Two double shifting diamond rigs as a minimum. 
uh, and we're looking at other options around, uh, you know, potential RC rigs. Obviously, the power auger rigs will continue as well as our surface crews. So as a minimum, two double-shifting diamond rigs, one of those will be full-time on the window glass hill target. We're so bullish about that. We just want to get on with, with covering that, that two-thirds of the granite that's never been drilled, um, that, you know, that's dripping with rock chip anomalies and, uh, uh, you know, basically screaming to be drilled. The other rig yep. will, uh, will chase the greenfields targets as well as doubling up on window glass hill, um, you know, as, uh, as I suspect we, uh, we're going to need uh, some extra drill power there once we, once we uh, get on with the program. Warren, thank you. Um, <clears throat> Ian, you've mentioned in a past interview that you're targeting one and a half million ounces. Um, you know, you're obviously over halfway there with the resource that you put out now 18 months ago, almost two years ago. Um, when are you going to try to calculate a new resource when are you going to say okay we've got enough drilling now let's call a data cut off and we'll put some kind of we'll close the envelope so to speak and we'll, we'll work out how much we've got within what we've defined so far so th- that one and a half million ounce resource target that we set that's on the back of our strategy is to be, to get enough material there to have a 10-year mine life at around 100,000 ounces so that's a million ounces mineable gross that up we need one and a half to two million ounces in resource to give us that as a mineable inventory. So we think we need three key areas. So we've got central zone, half a million ounces. It's already there, the biggest one, very good. Window glass hill, quarter of a million ounces, but you've just seen what Warren's shown you. There's a whole lot of good grade and work outside the mineral resource that, that hasn't been quantified yet. So we'll smash out the drilling over window glass hill granite structure this year, see what the footprint looks, looks like it's growing, I would like to believe um, that Window Glass Hill could double, maybe more than that. So then we've got two half million ounce uh, areas. We need a third one. And that's where Warren is balancing the brownfields exploration with the greenfields exploration. Let's find another area. Is it around Big Pond? Is it up at Isle of Mort? Or is it in the gap between called Stag Hill? Or is it even yep. further up Malakart Lake, Target 4? Yep. So that's the focus of the exploration. Uh, as we mentioned, we've already got 32,000 meters of drilling done since the last mineral, mineral resource update. We do the winter drilling, we'll do the summer drilling. And I think the board will have a discussion at the end of this calendar year that do we have enough now to put out to show them that we're uh, confident that we'll get to the 10 years at 100,000 ounces. Thank you. Um, I really like the winter, winter, um, <laughs> the window hill glass granite, um, whatever it is. I keep on getting the name wrong. Um, the WGHD. It just looks such an easy way, relatively, to add tons. And the grades that you mentioned are, um, you know, they're great. So if you if you can get two grams material over the considerable thicknesses, that can really pull down a deep pit. And if you've got the strike length as well, you know that's that's such a such a quick way to add ounces when you've got that bulk tonnage which is on our board we've got obviously warren's involved and, and the hands-on guy leading the team we've got a very good guy in newfoundland uh, crispin pike on the board we've got nikki Achet bell and justin osborne and when these four get together and start discussing what window glass hill granite could be the rest of us just sit back and let them talk because it could be a very large tonnage, low-grade system, or it could be a system that has these pockets of high-grade uh, material around it. So the only way to know is to drill it. Yeah. yeah. It can be a game-changer for the company. I agree. It could be a game-changer for the company. <laughs> um, 
just um, let's not just get focused on uh, window glass hill granite, but um, are you the central zone? Are you doing any kind of depth extension work there or do you feel as if they've kind of pulled down far enough? Have you got it? Is, is, is the resource um, central zone? Is it kind of, is it kind of done? Absolutely not. But the opportunity near surface, I think outweighs the value of chasing depth extensions at the moment to central yeah. zone. And that's been our strategy, right? Is, we know that you can we can chase these plunging shoots at central zone to depth, but our focus at the moment is is really cheap, open, pitable ounces. And there are so many opportunities, whether it's at Window Glass Hill or along along the belt, um, you know, within seven or eight kilometres of central zone, uh, where you could have multiple resources within 150 metres of surface that have never been drill tested. Um, so really the you know, central zone is not done yet, but uh, but our focus is on near surface open pitable resources, and the vast majority of our current resources uh, report to open pitable depths, well within 150 metres of surface, mostly within 100 metres of surface. So, well, um, so, so Vernon, the, the question I keep asking the geologists is: Was it great to fall in love with Window Glass Hill and let's smash up the drilling there? But how do we know that's the best one on the system? We don't. So we have to balance. Drilling up Window Glass Hill plus Warren needs to have the rigs going and chasing up the new areas because target area for uh, Malakart Lake is a massive area and, and all the geologists that look at the structures there get very excited and that's never been tested. So we we're definitely going to have that balance between trying to grow what we need to get it the first mine ready to, to, to go to the next phase, but you never know if there's a bigger system out there that just hasn't been discovered yet. Good. Well, that's why you've got a mix on the board, so you don't just get a bunch of geologists all pouring all everything into uh, uh, window glass hell. Great. I think. Um, is there anything else that? Um, I mean, I, uh, is there anything else that needs to be discussed? Because I've learned so much uh, already just from this half-hour discussion. Um, Ian, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah. So we've got loads of targets within the area. We did the uh, Aramag last year. That's only forty kilometers out of our one hundred and twenty strike kilometers. The rest has never been. It has never had uh, high-quality aeromag flown over it, and we could end up with a lot more targets to the, to the northeast of where we currently are as well. So Warren's not going to be short of targets. It's about identifying and prioritising so we don't waste shareholder money, and that's what Warren and his team have done pretty efficiently up to now. Great. Well, um, I wish you the best of luck for the winter drilling programme and for the summer drilling programme, and I'll keep my eye on the news releases as they come. And uh, thank you both very much for uh, giving me the time to uh, talk about the project. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Merlin.